This morning, book of Romans. We're gonna we're gonna be in Romans chapter six the whole time this uh, this morning. Make it easy for you. Won't be flipping around a whole lot. Romans chapter six, verse one. I tell you, it it's uh, just amazing. You know, the Easter story, the story of the resurrection. It's amazing. I tell you, I. I love thinking about it. I had the privilege back in 2000. I got to go and see the empty tomb where they believed that Jesus was buried. And you talk about an exciting experience that was. And I think about it every time. Uh, I got all excited. Miss uh, Lorna, she made uh, 
little Mount Calvary there for us with the tomb on there. And I tell you, it's a pretty accurate description there too. The, uh, I, I didn't realize this until I went to Israel, but Mount Calvary, uh, where he died on the cross, that garden tomb it is, it's connected to the side there of the mountain, not far from it. You just kind of go around the corner and boom, right, right there it is. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I saw it. I'd seen the pictures and things before of, of Mount Calvary. And I remember it was we weren't going to be going there until the next day, but we were in Jerusalem and we're driving along and I'm, I'm looking around and all of a sudden we drove by it real quick. And, you know, I've waited all my life to see this place. And I remember we, we just went, you know, we're in this bus and we were driving. I'm like, wait, wait. I'm like wanting to stop the bus. You're like, stop. I, I just saw Mount Calvary back there. I was so excited. And, you know, they just they kept going. And I'm just like, oh, I, I saw it. It was it was right there. And, uh, you know, of course, but we got to go the next day and see it and actually look at it for a long time. But, boy, you talk about exciting. And I, I waited for that. All my life, got to walk inside the tomb, and it, it was really neat. When we were there, there was a there was a Scottish fellow. He was the tour guide there. I mean, he had the thick Scottish accent, and he's there, and he's telling us all these stories, uh, and he's going through the Gospels and showing us all these little things that are mentioned in the Gospels that you normally you wouldn't even really think about, but that really made it very obvious that this probably is the very tomb where Jesus uh, was buried and where he rose again. And whether it was or wasn't, doesn't matter. I believe he did rise from a tomb. And I believe, I, I believe whether that was Mount Calvary or not, doesn't really matter. I believe he died on Mount Calvary. And uh, I, I, love, I love Easter. I love thinking about it. But at the same time, what I want to talk today uh, about this morning is about really what that resurrection means to us. When Jesus Christ died, you know, he died for our sins. When he rose again, he conquered death for us. And one of the, th- the one of the purposes of getting saved that I think many people forget is it's not just so we don't have to go to hell. And thank God for that. Thank God that we don't have to go there. Thank God that we can know for sure that we're saved. We can know for sure we're going to heaven. I thank God for that. I just talked to somebody this week that is they're getting close. They know they're they know they're getting close. And I asked them that question. So well, hey, are you are you ready? You know, and you, you get that, I kind of hope so. And I, I told him, I said, listen, you can, so you can know. The Bible tells us how we can know. And I, I can't imagine not knowing. I, I mean, I, I, listen, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven in the worst way. But I really don't want to go to hell. And you know, I think many times people, they get this attitude of salvation. Well, I want to get saved because I don't want to have to pay for my sins for all eternity. And listen, I don't blame you. For not wanting that. I don't blame you one bit. In fact, I, I, I'm right there with you. I don't want that at all. But one of the things that many people have this attitude is uh, when it comes to sin, and it's, they, it's like they think that sin is just something that uh, we can't really help. They think, well, that's just the way it is. It, uh, it's sad how many people out here, they'll complain about the consequences of sin, and that, but their attitude of, is, that's just how it is. Well, that's just what kids do these days. I heard somebody say the other day. Uh, and But no, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, the people think, oh, they're going to do these things. No, you don't have to do these things. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, when He did all that for us, when He rose from the dead, He proved some things to us. 
And what I want to talk about today is walking in the newness of life. We see that phrase in Romans chapter 6. And so I want to start reading in verse 1. And it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now I want you to notice he's talking to saved people here, okay? And because the first thing you need to do if you're going to be if you're going to be saved is you need to trust Jesus Christ to save your soul. If you're not saved today, if you've never called on him for salvation, boy, I, I hope you'll do that today. I'd love it if you came to me after church and said, "Listen, I want to know more about that." Or if you came to me and said, "Listen, hey, could you come over to my house and share more about this?" That is what we're all about. We want to tell people how to be saved, how they can know that they're going to heaven. That's the main thing that you need to do. You need to be saved from your sins, but at the same time, you need to trust Christ to do that, but also you need to trust Christ to keep you from sin. Trust Christ to keep you from sin. This attitude of, oh, this is just what we do. We have to do it. That is a terrible attitude. That is the wrong attitude. In fact, there's many people, they've got this attitude of, well, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I can't lose my salvation. Therefore, who really cares what I do? And let me tell you something. That is a horrible attitude. And Paul, he meant, he says here, he, says, he asks the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. In other words, he's saying, Absolutely, you know, no, absolutely, you know, don't, don't, don't even think about that. That is a horrible attitude. It's not what it's all about. And then he asks another question. He says, how, are we, how can we that are dead to sin live any longer than when God saved you? If you're saved today, God gave you spiritual life. He gave you a spiritual resurrection happen. Before you were saved, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And the same God who was able to rise from the dead, He is able to raise your spirit from the dead. And if you're saved today, He did that very thing. If you're not saved today, He can do that for you. And you don't have to sin. Now, the question is, well, what if I do? You mean if I get saved, I'm never going to sin again? No, you probably will. But you don't have to. And this attitude of, I can't help it, this attitude of, that's just how it is, that is not what we see in the Scriptures. And we'll go on and read some more. It says in verse 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. I want you to notice some things there. One is that salvation changes you. Salvation will change you. The Bible says, if... Any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you get baptized, all right? Now, baptism, we've said it before, I'll say it again, it doesn't save you. When we put you in there, okay, before you go in there, now we understand that represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's something physically happens too. When you go in the water, before you go in the water, you're dry, aren't you? When you come out of the water, you're now wet, aren't you? Why? Because when you go underwater, 
Something's going to happen. You're going to get wet. If you can figure out how to go underwater and come out dry, you can make a lot of money as a magician, all right? It's just, it's going to happen. You go underwater, you're going to come out wet. And Jesus Christ, when he went into that tomb, he went into that tomb dead. When he came out, he came out alive. When you got saved, that baptism, that burial, that resurrection, that's a picture of our salvation. When you got saved before that, you were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. And yes, you, I guess in a lot of ways you could say there wasn't a whole lot you can do. You just walked according to the lust of the flesh, according to the course of this world. But when God quickened you, when He saved you, He raised you up spiritually. And now there's a difference. Now you've got a fighting chance. You, have, you don't have to sin. And we'll see that. So we still can. We still very well can sin. We see that. We're going to see that in this chapter. But we don't have to because salvation changes you. It gives us that ability to say no to sin. And just like when you go in under the water, you come out different. You, you went in dry. You come out wet. When you get saved, you went in dead. You came out alive. Just like Jesus went in the tomb dead, He came out alive. There was a difference. There was a change. This attitude of or this idea of salvation that doesn't change anything doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You hear the statement a lot. It, it, part of this is good, I guess, but you know, the churches, they will say, come as you are, and that's absolutely fine. We, God welcomes you as you are. He said, whosoever will, let them come and take of the water of life freely. But at the same time, there's this attitude of go ahead and leave just as you came. Listen, our goal is for people's lives to be changed. God's goal is for our life to be changed. He wants to change us. He wants to put us on a new path. He wants, us, he wants things to be different in our lives. And salvation, it does that very thing. It will change your life. See, because what salvation does, it doesn't just change, but salvation, it conquers. Look at verse 6. It says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him. That, that, old, that old man, that's that old nature. That sinful nature that was you before you got saved. If we were to give testimonies in here, there may be some in here that you could tell some stories about you before you got saved that would probably make some of us not like you very much. And think, wow, you sure were a terrible person. In fact, there you might be able to tell stories that some of us wouldn't even believe because we just can't picture that. But you know what? That was that old man. That was inside you. That old man that talks about here. But the Lord, when He saved you, He changed you, and you were able to conquer those things. People who were drunks and drug addicts, they, they, got, they got saved, they got over those things. God gave them victory over those sins. But it says, um, our old man is crucified with Him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. For if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Notice in verse 11 it, says, it mentions about yourselves uh, being dead indeed unto sin. Okay, being dead indeed. Now a lot of times when we think of dead, we just picture 
Somebody falling over dead, not moving, not doing anything. But somebody who is dead to sin spiritually, they do quite a bit. And quite a bit of it's really bad. Quite a bit of it gets them into a lot of trouble. And you see the wicked things that they're doing, and it's like, why are they? They're dead to sin. It's like they have no will of their own. We talked about it on Sunday night a couple weeks ago. You know, it's kind of like, kind of like a zombie, I guess you could say. Zombies are real popular these days, and they just they seem to have no will. They just keep keep going and keep doing whatever it is they do. And that's kind of how it is for the lost. They just keep sinning. You throw them in jail, you let them out, they go right back to jail again. They do the same thing. You'll see people they will go, you know, they'll maybe try drugs and things, and they'll they'll hurt themselves, they'll get in trouble, they'll do something that they wouldn't normally do if they were if they were sober, if they were in their right mind, but then they'll go and they'll do it again, just like the Bible says, as the dog returneth to his vomit. Or the you know, sow to the wallow. That's what sinners do. They just keep doing those same things over and over again. And you can go try some of the programs and things that are out there. And some of them, I do believe, can help if you follow them. But you know what? Most people don't. Why? Because they're dead to sin. That is what they do. That's who they serve. But when you get saved, the Bible says that we're alive unto God. Now, when you're serving God, you're, you're alive. And when it says unto God, in other words, now we're not dead just following the lust of the flesh. We're alive following the will of God. We're alive unto God. We're alive for God to serve Him. Have you ever heard somebody, maybe you know, the, uh, maybe an elderly couple. I, I just read a story this week about a couple. They've been married for 70 years from Ohio. And they died within 15 hours of each other. And it was it was just a really neat story, I thought, and it was just one of those things where I've seen it with couples after they get to a certain age, and it's like they're living really just for each other. You know, they they care about that spouse. They don't want to leave the other one alone, and they're still going. They're still kicking. They're living for that other spouse, and I think that's a beautiful thing. But for us as Christians, we're alive unto Christ. We're living to serve Him. And if we're serving Christ, if we're living unto Him, well, we're not going to be doing those things that we did before we were saved. We're not going to be doing those things that displease God. We're going to be striving and doing our best to please Him. And God gives us the ability to conquer the sins of the world that maybe used to control you. And I tell you, I love hearing the testimonies of people that God saved out of some horrible sins and how God gave them victory over that sin, it's an exciting thing to hear. But you know, I think it's also exciting too when you hear somebody maybe got saved at a young age and they never even dealt with those things. I thank God for that. I thank God I was saved at a young age. I grew up in a Christian home. I was taught about the dangers of a lot of those things out there. And I haven't had to figure out how to get out of that mess. And I'm not bragging one bit. Because the truth is, had it not been for the grace of God, it could be me out there. It absolutely could be me. Me and the kids this morning, we were looking at some mug shots. And uh, there's some scary looking people that we saw in there. You know, those could be me. They, that could easily be me if it weren't for salvation. If I was still dead to sin. But thank God He saved me and now I'm alive to Christ. I don't have to do those things. Now listen, we're going to see here that even though I'm saved, 
that still could be me. That still could be me. But go to verse 13, it says, Neither, or verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lesser of. Notice, we now have a choice. It says, Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. We're alive. We have Jesus Christ dwelling in our heart. And the only way sin can have dominion over us is if we allow it to. We have to let it. It's against our nature. We've got the Holy Spirit that warns us and tries to steer us clear from these things. It doesn't have to be that way. And God said, do not let sin reign over your mortal body. It says in verse 13, neither yield ye your members, talking about your members, your body, your hands, your feet, your mouth, whatever, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That word yield, that, that means basically to allow. Do you see that choice that we now have? It never says that for the lost. But for us, we do have the choice. Okay, just because you're saved doesn't mean it's not possible for you to become a drug addict. It doesn't mean it's not possible for you to become the next mass murderer. That does not mean that one bit. We still could yield our body to unrighteousness. And we see that salvation, while not only does it change us, and not only does it uh, or not only does salvation conquer, but salvation it challenges. It challenges. You think the devil's going to let up on you just because you got saved? No, he's going to do everything he can to keep you as unaffected for Christ as possible. And if he can get you to serve sin, if he can get you to yield, okay, if he can get you to choose sin over righteousness, then not only are you going to be ineffective for Christ, but you can do a lot of damage too. I mean, you think about it. Let's say, you know, some drunk and drug addict that grew up in a horrible home goes out and kills a bunch of people today. Well, that would be horrible. But what if you know it's the pastor of a church that does that? Well, guess what's going to be bigger news? Oh, the pastor of the church. Oh, they're all a bunch of phonies. They're all a bunch of fakes. I can't believe all those people that went to that church. Boy, they were all a bunch of brainwashed people, weren't they? And you know what it does? It makes Christians look bad. It makes, it makes the church look bad. It makes God look bad. And you don't think, if you think for one minute that Satan is not going to still work on you and try to get you to sin and to try to get you to choose sin, you're mistaken. And that's why we want to stay close to, we want to stay close to Christ because he's going to try to get us to yield to him. Verse 14 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. This right here too. We're, we are not under the law, but under grace. Basically what that means, if before Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ had not come to this earth and died on the cross, for you to get to heaven, you would have to obey every bit of the Old Testament law. You, from the time you were born to the time you died, you would not be able to break one of those laws for you to make it into heaven. That's what it means to be under the law. Now, I don't know about you, but let me I'm glad I'm not under that law because I blew it a long time ago. And the truth is, we all have. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're not under the law. 
So wait a minute. Hey, we're not under the law. So can I go break all those Ten Commandments? I'm under grace. Hey, God will forgive me. I, I don't. So hey, thou shalt not steal. That was for the Old Testament. That was for the people that were under the law. I can still steal and go to heaven. I can kill, commit adultery. I can do all those things. And I'll still go to heaven because I'm under grace. He says, is that what we're supposed to do? He says, he said, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And he said, God forbid. Once again, that is not why you got saved. If you Listen, if you like sin that much and you just want to follow the lust of the flesh that much, the truth is you probably never got saved because a person who gets saved, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, when you call on Him, you're calling Him for salvation from your sin. Well, if you're enjoying your sin and you don't want to get out of your sin, why would you call for salvation? It really it makes no sense, does it? The person who calls on the Lord for salvation understands that, hey, I'm in a mess. I need help. Lord, save me from my sin. But if you're just looking for license to continue sinning, that's not, that's not asking for salvation. I don't care what you prayed. The Bible says, for with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made in salvation. You did not ask the Lord to come into your heart. I don't care what word you said. I don't care how many times you prayed it. The prayer of salvation is not magic words. It's a heart decision that you make. And he asked a question. He said, you know, shall we, because we're not under the law, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That's not what it's about. Know ye not, verse 16, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Who is it that you're wanting to serve? We need to understand that we, as even though you're saved, if you're truly saved today, you still have to make an effort not to sin. You, do, you have to consciously try not to. You've got to work on it. And you're going, to, you're going to fall on your face sometimes. But you're going to have to get back up. You're going to have to try again. And you know, the truth is, trying not to sin, that's not enough. You know, many people, one of the mistakes that they make is maybe their life's a wreck and they want their lives straightened out. And so they like, well, all right, I'm going to quit. You know, I'm going to quit. And they start naming off all these sins. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit that. I'm going to quit doing everything bad. Okay, well, great. I hope you quit doing all those bad things. But if you don't replace it with something good, you're probably going to go right back to those bad things in no time at all. You also need to do righteous acts. I used to talk to kids in the detention home all the time. And they would talk about how when they get out, they're going to get new friends because their old friends got them in trouble. And... And I told them, it's like, that's exactly, you have to get new friends. Those old ones are going to get you in trouble. Where are you going to get your new friends? You probably don't want to get in the same place you got the last ones. You need to find, you know, I, I encourage them. It's like, you need to go to church. Well, I'm going to quit. Do, some of them just, I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit doing that. It's like, okay, good. Quit all those things. But now you need to do some things too. Hey, you, know, you, need, to, you need to start coming to, going to church. You need to start hanging around the right people. You need to start, I would give them things you need to do. You've got to do things. Listen, idleness is killing our country. A lot of the people that get in trouble with crime, especially young people, it's because they have nothing to do. 
Just nothing doing. That'll get you in trouble. You've got to be doing something. And that's why we want to actively be serving God. It keeps us out of trouble. If I if I quit serving God tomorrow, listen, I'm I still try not I'm gonna still try to do good. I'm gonna try not to do some bad things, but you know what? I'm gonna have a lot more time on my hands. And chances are, with that extra time, it's just gonna be more sin. That's why we want to get busy for Christ. It helps keep us out of trouble. It's challenging. It's not always easy. But you know what? Salvation, it challenges you. And these good things that we do, we don't do them so we can go to heaven. We do them because we're going to heaven. We don't do them so we can get saved. We do them because we're saved. But then the last thing we see that salvation changes, it conquers, it challenges. But the last thing it does, it convicts. Verse 17 says, but God be thanked that ye were the ser- that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Because I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. But what fruit or what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Those things that ye did before you were saved, you were you were free from righteousness then. But notice you were in captivity to sin. But he said those things that you did before, he said now you're ashamed. Why? You know, have you ever? Have you, I mean, you see what's going on in the world today, and you just think, how are these people just not ashamed of themselves? You see just the wickedness of things. You know, the Hollywood crowd, the disgusting, vile things that they will do on TV, and then they'll go and get awards for it. I don't know if that was me. I think I'd have to throw up. I'd feel so bad. I, some of our politicians, you'll you'll hear them get up and just lie. And you know they're lying. I mean, if I got up and lied like that, I do. I think after I walked off that stage, I'd probably go have to go throw up somewhere. I would feel so rotten to just lie like that. But it doesn't seem to phase them one bit. I mean, they will do it straight faced. And here's, I, I just can't do that. Or have you ever done something and it just made you feel like garbage? Let me tell you, when that happens, thank God for it. Because salvation, it's going to—it's when you're saved, God's going to convict you of your sin. He'll, he'll chasten you for your sin. You're not going to be able to enjoy it like you used to enjoy it. I've heard people tell stories about the things that they used to do before they got saved, and after they got saved, they went to go do those same things, and they just—they couldn't do it anymore. They didn't enjoy it anymore. Why? The Holy Spirit wouldn't let them enjoy it. I think a good a good example for that is maybe some of you when you were younger, maybe your mom, there were things that you did behind her back that you weren't able to enjoy because if my mom knew about this, it'd break her heart. If my mom knew about this, she'd be so upset. And here you are, you're going and doing what your flesh said, but you couldn't enjoy it because you were thinking about your mom. And you know, when you get saved, that same thing happens. But you know what? You're worried about what Christ thinks. You're worried about what the Holy Spirit thinks. 
and yet you can't enjoy it anymore. I talked. To, I was out inviting people to church one time, and I talked to a guy, and uh, he mentioned a church that he go that he used to go to, but he said I quit going there because he said every time that pastor preached, he made me feel bad. And I told him, I said. That sounds like a good preacher. I said, yeah, he said, hey, you know, I said, sometimes, I said, I said, did he, I said, did he know you? Did he know what you've been doing? No. It's like, so, well, that wasn't really him then making you feel bad. That's the Holy Spirit. So that he convicts of sins. I said, I, I wouldn't want to go to a church where I never got convicted of sin. That's a, that's a good thing to happen. And the Holy Spirit will do that, especially if you're saved. You're not going to enjoy those things. And listen, if you're not careful, you can. Reject that. We can become callous to things. You know, there's some of you in here, you might have maybe calluses in your hands. You can poke them with a needle and it doesn't bother you anymore. Why? Because it's all, it's all calloused. It's been blistered and tore up so many times it, is, it doesn't even hurt anymore. I remember when I first started playing guitar, I'd get blisters on my fingers. And it, it hurt. And I tell my guitar teachers, like, man, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't really practice this week. I had these blisters on my finger. And she said, just you know, keep practicing. No, pretty soon you'll have calluses on there. And it won't bother you at all. And, and, you know, and eventually it happened. Well, the same thing can happen to our hearts. Where we're, if we keep rejecting, if we keep you know, not listening to the Holy Spirit, you can come very callous to things. And there are saved people that do some pretty horrible things and it doesn't seem to bother them. But I'm here to tell you, you don't want that to be you. That is not what you want. Salvation, it convicts. You're not going to be able to enjoy sin like you used to. Verse 22 says, "Being now, or But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that verse right there. The end of things—it's everlasting life for us. And we're not; none of us in here are perfect people. We're, but we're, if those of you that are saved, hopefully, you're trying to do your best for God. And here's the thing: you do your best, and it's not what saves you. But you know what the end result is going to be? It's going to be everlasting life. We have so much to look forward to as Christians. I don't understand this attitude of wanting to go back to the old ways. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Walking in the newness of life talks about Christ's victory over death. That is proof to us. When He rose from the dead, He proved to us that we can be saved from our sins. He proved to us that we can go to heaven. And He proved to us that we can have victory in our life over sin. I don't, I don't doubt. I know every one of us in here, there's things that we struggle with. There's things that we battle, things that get us in trouble. There's things that we've gone through that are a direct result of our sin. We've all had failures that we can talk about. But you know, if we will yield our members to Christ, if we will yield ourselves to Christ, He can give you victory over that sin. You'll have some defeats here and there. You'll fall on your face. But keep on getting up. Keep on trying. He'll give you victory over that sin. So let's stand together this morning.